Yeah, okay, I hear it. All right, good morning. Welcome all of you that are here and those that are joining via the uh, live stream. Um, so glad to be with you. Um, all of you have a handout this morning. Lots to talk about, lots to share. Um, um, even last night, um, had a very significant dream that came that I think is very relevant to the teaching as well as the upcoming uh, ministry in Brazil. And um, I'm going to kind of reference that, kind of start out with that. Been really thinking about it early this morning, up studying, praying, and um, <clears throat> very significant. Um, so I'll, I'll lead with, with that. Uh, but let me back up. Um, Wednesday night, Pastor taught on a, a specific um, part of um, our prayer emphasis uh, that we've been in this week, and it's um, <clears throat> and I purposely didn't listen to it, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, I started to feel led to study something that was related to it, so I thought, you know what, I just don't want to. You know, what he shared was great. I won't go there. Uh, I am going there, but not with the, the Genesis 3 passage that he was teaching on. Uh, we'll look at a lot of other ones. But um, so I'm going to go back after, probably be this afternoon when I'm, you know, doing things. Um, so at any rate, I don't know, maybe four or five days ago, the Lord just kind of directed me and uh, just had me thinking about the, the focus of our prayer as a network being on the presence of God. And so I thought, okay, well, that's really good. And I, I really hadn't, um, I, it was one of those, those thoughts that came abruptly, so you know it wasn't you thinking it. Um, and so I knew that that was uh, an indication from uh, the Spirit that I needed to kind of study that. Um, and we studied this in a lot of different ways, but... Here I am, I stand before you again. You know, it's just kind of here a little, there a little, um, kind of a revelation and an insight. And so, and it actually rhymes here, the panim of Elohim. And those are two Hebrew words that I didn't plan it that way. But um, the Lord's had me really thinking about that in a different, in a different way that I've thought about, but it's much more deeper and profound. And as, as we get into that here in just a few minutes, I want us rewind. And this dream just came early this morning. And I knew that, and I just kind of wrote down some notes here, that in the dream it was focused, I, I saw past and present moves of the Spirit. I mean, I know where they were, and I know... I saw specific people that were at the forefront of it. And um, the, the past move was the Brownsville outpouring. I mean, I saw specific, I saw, you know, um, I mean, his name is slipping me now, Pastor Kirk, Kirkpatrick. Yeah, Kilpatrick. Um, and I know that, you know, the Lord initially impacted a lot of people here, there. And so I woke up this morning and I'm, I'm at my computer and I'm studying and I'm just thinking about it going, man, that was really, really bizarre. That's been, man, back in 1996, 97-ish, well over 25 years ago. And so I pull up YouTube 
I'm just going to, and wow, the videos and stuff. I mean, it's still great, you know. What God did then was great, but where we are now is so vastly different. And so I just started thinking about, you know, how there was a major emphasis, this is no revelation, of, of repentance. And that's, that's fine. That begins it all. Uh, very important. Um, but then how it shifted, and there's more details, and I'll, maybe I'll go into those a little bit more. But So that was the past move of the Spirit that I saw. And I saw Him, and I saw lots of people being impacted. But then it shifted, and then I saw the present move of the saints movement. And I saw pastor in it, and I saw some of us and others, and there were many, many people being impacted by what God did and is continuing to do uh, in, in, in the saints. And so there was this huge contrast. And I started immediately thinking this wasn't in the dream, but this was afterwards, you know, how there's an emphasis on the healing of the nations. A ministry trip getting ready to happen in June. Yesterday, uh, um, uh, a, a video was released, a three-minute video, um, inviting people and different ones were in it. And God's setting the stage for a major release and an impact into the nations of the world starting in Brazil. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. I'm just focusing on what God's currently doing here. He's doing a lot of other things. And also in the dream, I knew and I saw what appeared to be the Atlantic waters. The light blue, and here again, there's, there's significance there. And I started to think about um, the colors in the dream. I started to think about representatives of people that are near the Atlantic air, ocean area, you know, our saints in, in Florida and um, all these different things start flooding my mind and all of them are, are, are true. And with that, the emphasis that I saw in, in, in the light blue waters out in the Atlantic, I saw a discussion, there, were, there was a, a, and I was talking to, a, I'm sorry, speaking to a, a male individual, and we were talking about some very deep prophetic principles. And there was an emphasis, strong emphasis on um, the prophetic. And so I remember even talking about um, hearing um, numbers being exchanged about how many times um, this type of ministry was going to be happening. It was in the hundreds. Hundred, this is how, I heard him say this has happened over 103 times, and I heard that specific number. And, um, and maybe the number is not as important. The hundreds part of it is, not the 103. Um, and so I just, this morning as I'm driving in and we're, we're talking, I kind of share the, the, the dream with Tristan. There's, there's more. But that's kind of the gist of it. And, and I know that, that in the past, God impacted people in a tremendous way. There was a specific emphasis that was necessary at that point. But now where we are and where the Lord wants his people, there is a much, much different type of, of an emphasis. Repentance starts it, but it should not have to be repeatedly, 
the message over and over and over again to the audience or the people that he's sending us to. Because these are all people that are, um, they're born again. They're already in the kingdom. But God's wanting people to go further and deeper, much, much deeper than they've ever known. And, and I know that, that what's, what's coming is going to be, and, and this is part of the message here. I know I'm kind of sharing a lot, but As the face of God begins to turn towards his people, not away from his people, because there there's different dimensions of Panim. We all know or should know he can turn towards something or someone or he can turn away from someone or a city. And <laughs> we don't ever want him to be turning away from us. So. I started thinking about the, the, the turning of the face, the panim of Elohim. We know from study, Elohim represents the heart of God. So it's really the turning of the heart of God towards a people or towards a city. And I, I mean, I've thought about that to some degree. But the impact of what I sensed in my spirit as I studied this is much more profound than what I knew before. Does that make sense? Maybe you haven't thought of it this way, but it's really face to face is one thing. But mouth to mouth is even better. I'm just saying, because <laughs> there's a big difference. I'm in your presence, right? You're in my presence. We see each other face to face. I'm turning and I'm looking towards you, but I can easily in a moment's notice turn and go the other direction or not even pay any attention that you're here. So the face the turning of the face of the panim of God is definitely here, and his heart is de his heart is towards. Man, I don't want to use that word. Some people don't even this. They don't even know this to be a principle in their relationship with God. They have no idea. You start talking about the presence of God, they start equating it with all kinds of stuff. The presence, we all know, is the face. And the face of God is turning and looking and scanning. And But when you partner that with Elohim, His heart, then you bring in a whole other dimension of who He is. And so Moses had face-to-face -face relationship with Elohim, but he also had mouth to mouth. And that is so different. If now, if you're mouth to mouth, you are very, very close to someone. I mean, you are in my expression here, you're lip locked. I mean, you're there and you're taking in the very essence and the breath of that other person when you're mouth to mouth. And that's 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 the difference there. So it involves his heart. It involves his face turning towards you. But as you are, as we're going to see, as Moses was mouth to mouth with him, that meant that when he when the when the Lord would, would say something, his breath was released into him. And immediately Moses was there to take that breath in. So you got the face, the heart and this intimate, deep, profound relationship that God's extending to people all across the globe. And in conjunction with that, the dream specifically indicates
that there's going to be a major impact of what he's going to be doing to people all over the world that results in the earthquake of the Lord. And so I'm partnering the panim of Elohim with the release of earthquakes that are coming. Not physical, I mean, yeah, it could be physical, but the spiritual earthquake of the Lord. And we know what earthquakes are. So we're going to be looking at some scriptures that we're all used to seeing. And I've just kind of put some, you know, the definitions I've already gone over. But we're going to look first at the prelance, the prelance, the presence of Elohim within with Solomon. This is so profound. Solomon gets a bad rap. Uh, Saul gets a bad rap in the church today. Everybody wants to focus on, yeah, he screwed up. Okay, but yeah, he did make some mistakes, right? But what, he did do some good things as well. So let's focus on the good and not what he did. But the enemy's so crafty, isn't he? God already knew all of these failures and mistakes that everyone, I mean, he knows the ones we're going to make before we even make them. I mean, he, he knows the outcome of, of everything. We say that in one breath, but when something actually starts to happen, you're like, we're, we're, we're taken away by it. We're like, wow. And then we think, oh, you, you, you told me that was going to happen. Peter, you said you're never going to deny me, right? Yes, you will. Before this happens, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, never, 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 right? And then it happens, and Peter reflects and remembers the word that Jesus spoke to him. So um, these guys are, are human. They're frail. They're just like us. And we're at a point where we should be going, you know what? Mm, I better be very careful because if I think I'm all that, I'm going to fall. And so Solomon, yes, he intermarried. Yes, he disobeyed. Um, does anybody, has anybody in this room ever disobeyed? <laughs> We all have. So I'm just saying we need to be humble. We need to be remember mercy. And, and, and so with Solomon, it says in, in 2 Chronicles 9, verse 22 through 24, And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth. And we know it's mentioned in two ways here. First, in riches. And secondly, in wisdom. And then all the kings of the earth sought the panim of Solomon. Now, this is really, really the, the seeking out the panim of an individual. Now, what were these people or these kings of the earth? What were they really seeking after? Was it Solomon? Or was it what was within Solomon? And I know without a doubt it was what was inside him because we know his wisdom and everything he did came from God, right? Because it specifically says, you keep reading here, they sought, and they sought to hear um, this wisdom. They, they sought to, to sit there and listen. We've all been in the presence of an individual that when they spoke, there was something within the, the, the words that they said just was very profound and it impacted us, right? That's the kind of scenario here that we're talking about. So it says here that Elohim had put this wisdom on the inside of him. So they're not actively seeking or which means to to search out and to really uh, delve deeper into 
Solomon himself. It was, it was, it was the heart of God within him. And we've talked about the uh, pastors taught a lot about the spirit within and um, that's here, but it's connected with the, the, the presence of Elohim. And I just think that uh, a connection there to me is, is really profound. So if people are, are searching out the presence of less, is, is it really going to be the presence of him? Yes and no. <laughs> it's going to be whatever God has put inside him to be able to help those around him. And if you need any financial help, right, less you need to seek out his presence because God's put that within him. And that's why it's so critical for all of us to know our, our, our true identity and our purpose that God established before anything ever occurred. In the very beginning, the foundation of everything, what has he put inside all of us? And a lot of what we, what we share, we're identifying what Elohim has put inside his people. And we're, we're speaking about it. And it comes out in these types of uh, teachings or, you know, things that you guys have shared. And, and so they're really not seeking out the presence of Solomon. But in that event, it says in verse 24, And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, raiment, harness, spices, you know, bring on the spices, Horses, mules, a rate, and they did it year by year. And, and there's, there's provision there. Um, when, we are, when we are functioning the way God's designed us to operate in Him. There, there's blessing, there's provision, and I like that, that it's year after year here that they provided for Solomon. So think about that. What has God put on the inside of you? Just rhetorical. I mean, we know some things. And, and we know that, you know, the modern day Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever group you want to call them, that reside within the church, are, some are going to accept what their identity is in God. Like, for example... We believe and we know that everybody has the capability to become an intercessor. God Himself is an intercessor. Jesus is ever living to make intercession for the mission of the saints to be accomplished. That's the will of God. That's part of the will of God for, for His people. So if He's an intercessor, people need to realize that they're called to be that, that type of, a, of an intercessor. And it doesn't just mean... I mean, I know I'm kind of rehashing here, but it, it doesn't mean what we always thought, you know, where I get my prayer list out here. And by, by the time I get to the 15th request here, God's telling me, you're wearying me with your words, really, if people will listen. <laughs> That's another thing. How could, you, how could you weary God? Well, with words. We've all been around somebody that just will not zip it. They just talk and talk and talk, and before you know it, you are absolutely exhausted and worn out. <laughs> and it's hard to imagine, you know, but weariness, though, doesn't affect God the same way it does us. It's really, that's another part of that principle. So my point is this. We deliver the message, that's it. 
It's not our job to make sure that people obey it. It's not our job to make sure that they even uh, accept it. It's not our job. It, it's part of the, part of the uh, ministry of, of, of somebody that's operating as a watchman. They deliver the message, and then God says, don't worry about it. If they hear, if they don't hear, it's not, not your problem, Ezekiel. My, your job as my representative is to deliver the message, be it a, a, a word of warning, whatever it is. You deliver it, and you move on. And that's another lesson for all of us, because, you know, it, it's really easy to get discouraged. You know, if you if you let your your flesh get involved because you think, man, this is the, I'm talking about your heavenly identity here. Man, who would why, who wouldn't want to be an intercessor? Number one, I mean, who wouldn't want to align with what Jesus is doing at the right hand in heaven? But it looks different than what people are used to. And, and so, anyway, yes. And we all know that so much, so the manifestation of that so much comes through our relationship and our, the time that we spend with Him. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that it's not just when we're standing in a pulpit or we're called on to teach or to minister. It is 24-7 in our ordinary life what what are you reflecting you know what i mean are you reflecting the spirit that's within you and you know what god has put within you and because that's what people are looking at you know they're looking at your responses they're looking at how you connect with them and how you reflect his presence in your ordinary life when you go to the market when you you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah exactly on, on friday i had to go do an errand and I was just a little bit miffed about something. It agitated me. And I walked into a, a store, and there was this bright little girl that was, how can I help you? And I was in this store, and I, the more I was in there, the more I got frustrated because I couldn't find anything I was looking for. So by the time I got up to the counter, I was just agitated. And she was sweet, and I made a comment that I shouldn't have made that wasn't about her. It was about just, anyway. And I walked away, and I was walking down the street. It was on Knox. And I had this such deep conviction that I had just, like, been rude to this girl to where I had to turn around and go back and, you know, apologize. Because that's not me. I want to reflect his light everywhere I go because I want people to see Jesus in me, right? And I think sometimes we look at it like it's just when we have a stage. But it's not. It's mm -hmm. moment by moment. What do people see? Yeah, your stage is wherever you're at. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's in the... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. yeah, you don't turn it on and turn it off. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a part of who we are and, you know, but you get you get the, the humanness within us um, that gets frustrated, agitated, and variation, you know. We've, we've talked a lot about those. Um, just keeping keeping the, 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 the carnal nature at bay is uh, enough. We, we don't even, we don't even want to bring in the enemy. It's just the carnal tendencies within all of us that throw us off a lot of times. But no, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's so true. Um, so yeah, the presence of Elohim within is, is, is definitely in this passage. Now, so what I did was I, I just did some word searches on the presence of God, that exact phrase. You know, I know the presence is all over, you know, but that wasn't the objective. 
Now that exact phrase is not used a lot of times and a few of those references are here, but where they're used, I think they're very profound for all of us. And as we go through the rest of these, be thinking about um, the impact that we're making. Now, I know I mentioned in the dream that you know we're talking about nations, but also we're talking about individuals. We're impacting positively or negatively those around us every single day. And I know within every person in this room, your desire, my desire is to reflect the heart of God to those that we, we, we come in contact with every day because we know that's what they're seeking after, whether they realize it or not. Some, some people don't realize if there's a, and I'm using this term, uh, if there's a, a magnetism that they feel drawn to you or me, it's not us. It's, it's the heart of God within us, uh, Elohim within us. Now, uh, the, the, the writer to Psalm 68 references Elohim quite a bit. In um, Psalm 68, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And this is where I've just kind of uh, labeled it Elohim arise. Wow, those two words are very profound. Do you ever need the heart of God to arise in a situation for you? Absolutely. So here the psalmist says, let God, or let, I forgot to put Elohim there. Let Elohim arise. Let his enemies be scattered. It doesn't say scatter my enemies. <laughs> the emphasis is on Elohim's heart arising and scattering any type of opposition directed towards him. Hmm. How many times have we... The principle applies to us too, but I'm saying the actual wording here is focusing on oppositions against the heart of God. Do we not think God can, can't take care of himself? Absolutely. He will, he will absolutely scatter opponents. And that, that word for scatter here in the Hebrew means to dash into pieces and cause a, a dispersion. You know, when you think about that term, it just means um, he's going to totally annihilate enemy forces. That's his job. <laughs> I'm grateful that we're, we're not called to scatter, right? Um, but he can, he can take care, although we try to scatter, you know, um, we're called to sow seed. I guess you could scatter it too, you know, but my point being here is that the heart of God's arising and scattering. Then he, keeps, he goes further. Let them also that hate. So now he's bringing in the haters. Is there any hate in our country these days and all over the world? Absolutely. Let them flee before him. And then, you know, here comes a morning star song. The smoke is driven away. So drive them away. Remember the song by, oh yeah, let God arise. They're singing it. Um, as, as wax melts before fire, so let the wicked, so the wicked um, are those that, um, that, are, that are doing or being um, and declaring wrong things. They're causing uh, means to disturb or to violate. Does that ring a bell? I mean, it's all over um, um, our country and 
But he says, I'm going to, the, the wicked, those that are involved in, in this, the, the, this wrongdoing or the, all these disturbances and all these violations and things like that, they're going to, they're going to perish at the presence, the, the panim of Elohim. There it is. So you see, we don't really have to deal with the wicked in this context. The, the turning of the heart of God is going to cause them, uh, the wicked, to perish. I, I love that. But let the righteous, now he brings in the righteous, be glad. Let them rejoice before Elohim. So that's our responsibility in the midst of this whole context. Enemies, heart of God rising up, haters coming out. With the wicked people that are rising up and declaring all these wrong things, okay? And, and in the midst of all of that, God says, though, they're going to perish because I'm turning and my heart is moving and then arising. That's pretty incredible, right? I mean, focus on this. This is very profound, very deep. And what God's going to be doing in the earth in the coming days is so profound. I, I cannot tell you the, what I really felt and put into words what I felt in this dream. I know I shared an, enough to, to paint a picture for you. The, the way people are going to be profoundly impacted is through the prophetic message and release that God has put within all of us. It's going to profoundly affect people all over this world. When people hear whatever the message is, it is going to go in and, and it's going to find its place in the soil of their heart. It's going, to, it's, going to lie, it's going to be on that good ground. The wicked one is not going to be able to come in and snatch it away and take it out of their hearts. They're going to receive it with gladness and it's going to take root and they're not going to allow the cares of this world to snuff it out. Cares are going to still be there. Distractions, you can't eliminate distractions. I mean, there's things you can do to, where they don't impact you as much, but you, we cannot remove distraction. It's, constant, it's part of the fall, of, uh, the fall of man. Anything that we face in this life that's not part of the tobe is connected to the garden. <laughs> Every bit of it. And so you can bind distraction, you can rebuke it, but guess what? You're still going to encounter it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of this. But in the midst of this, there, there's so many things that, that happen, and, and my mind is just kind of swirling around at this point with all this. Uh, we rejoice. We, we, we focus on gladness. We sing to Elohim. It rhymes again. There we go. Um, we sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rides upon the heavens by His name Yah and rejoice before Him. Verse uh, 4. Verse 5. A father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, is Elohim in His holy habitation. Elohim sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound with chains. Look at what God's heart can do when, when He begins to arise, people that are bound, chains must go. 
shackles will fall off. And we're going to see a connection with that in the New Testament here in, in just a little bit. But the rebellious are going to dwell in a dry land. We have a partnership. And the way we respond will dictate if we're going to be rejoicing, gladness, extolling, or if we're going to be like in a, in, in, in a rebellious state, in a, in, a, in a dry land. It's up to us. At any point, you can still be a Christian and rebel. Just look at the children of Israel. They did it all the time. But God was still with them. He led them the 40 years in the wilderness. And we'll see that in this next example. Verse 7, Elohim, when thou went forth before thy people. This kind of reminds me of, of Moses in Exodus 33. If your presence, if your panim doesn't go with us, we're not going. Elohim, the heart of God, goes before the people. When thou didst march through the wilderness. Oh, wow. Here's, here's another descriptive here. He's marching. And just marching doesn't mean... It just speaks of a, a, a pacing or moving in a, at a different um, speed, as it were. Through the wilderness, Selah. Well, that Selah had to be there, right? And then verse 8. The earth shook. Here's part of the earthquake. The heavens also dropped at the at the panim of Elohim. This is an interesting phrase. The heavens dropping is, is the term that, um, the dropping of the word. Same term, uh, it's used to distill something. And I'll just say that, just kind of get your memory or your thought juices flowing to think, wow, how does that happen? Heavens dropping, or, or it means to kind of ooze forth something. And it's just an interesting concept, it, but it's at the, at the presence or the turning of the heart of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the panim of Elohim. The, the, the moving of mountains. I mean, we, we know we sh immediately should remember the encounters that Moses had at the top of that mountain were, were incredible displays of what God can do. He doesn't always come and move in that manner, but it's there in this context. And, and the mountain was moved at the, at the presence, I should have put Panim there, of Elohim, the God of Israel. So we looked at Solomon and it speaks of the presence of Elohim within. Now we're looking at Elohim himself arising um, in the midst of circumstances that are just seem to be impossible. But he loves that. He loves impossibility because he goes, you see impossible, I see differently, I see possible. He can do it no matter what it looks like. You know, I know politically our country is in a very, very rough, rough place. And I'm putting it mildly with that. And you guys know this. The, the decisions that are being made, people are being influenced by demonic forces at the highest level. I am not speaking in any party here. I am not. I don't. I, I don't. We know those parties were created by man. Republican, Democrat. Okay. Let's cut. You want to. You want to find unity. Lay all the labels down. Lay all of that down, and let's focus on the source of the information. 
Let's lay it all out and let's compare spiritual things with spiritual, right? And if you do that, you'll forget about left, right. You'll forget about all that and you'll go, hey, what does God say about this? God says this. Okay, let's go with that. And I'm telling you, in a few weeks, and this is all orchestrated, our every step we take is orchestrated by the Lord. In a few weeks, the Lord has allowed me to step foot. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. In, in two weeks, flying into Ronald Reagan Airport. And I'm not there on my own. The company I work for is sending me there. But you know what I'm going to be doing while I'm, while I'm en route on that aircraft and we start landing. I am taking dominion. We, we've done this before, but at this stage in the game, and, and I'm asking you guys to just kind of remember this in prayer and be making declaration because what we do and how we pray now is having a, the impact is far more reaching. And I believe that we can, our prayer that partners with God's Spirit is going to be making some, some changes that we'll all begin to see materialize down the road. That's going to be good. It's still going to be mixed. There's still going to be darkness. There's still going to be gross darkness according to prophecies. There's no way we can do away with that, that part of what Isaiah said. But uh, we also remember the light of the Lord is going, going to be upon us. So let's believe for, 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 for great things. So that kind of leads me into the segue of this. We've all read the story of Balaam. Poor Balaam. He gets a bad rap too. I don't know why I'm on this, but these guys get a... Now, he did some crazy things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he didn't, but he... Obviously, God, the heart of God met with Balaam. Now, you take it up with God. Why would he do that? I don't... I just, you know, why would God choose Saul when he knew he was going to reject him? Take that up with God. I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some hard things that we'll have to ask him later on. Um, but in Numbers 22, we have Elohim and Yahweh putting words in the mouth. And, and I'm linking this because we, 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 in, in, in Solomon, we talked about they, they sought the wisdom that Elohim had put in his heart. Out of the heart, the what speaks? The mouth. So there's that connective there. The heart doesn't just speak. It's out of the heart, our, our declaration and the mouth speaks. So that's, that's, that's what I'm doing here. That's, that's kind of my study, how, I, how it came. So when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him into the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Now, if you, you have to go back and read, Balak is, is really earnestly asking Balaam to come, and Balaam's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay, and in between that whole, this whole, uh, what I just read, there's the, the angel of the Lord standing there with a the sword, and Balaam is doing some uh, crazy things with, um, you know, his, his ride. He's smacking her three times, and... You know, eventually, it said the Lord opened up the mouth of the ass and he started talking to Balaam. Boy, I hope I never get to that point where I can't see what God's doing that he has to use an animal to start speaking to me. That, that's, 
And then you've got this conversation. That's even crazier, right? I'm talking to a donkey now. That's just, that's just it's funny, but it, it's sad. Now, let's don't chuckle too much because I think we can, we could make some applications here in our own walk. <laughs> Maybe it's not as extreme, but there's times where God's doing something and we don't recognize it. And we're, we're we, let's use the binding and loosing thing. We may not be, be riding on, um, you know, the, uh, the animal there and taking, smiting him three times, but we, we can bind and loose something that God's like, you get where I'm going. We just got, we just got to be very careful, but that's the context of this. And so Balaam, Balak has said, hey, I need you to come. And, and, and Balaam didn't initially, but finally he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. And that's when the angel of the Lord was sent to stop Balaam from really going initially. And so we come to uh, verse 36 and following. And so he says, did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? Ooh. Now he's trying to say, I got a measure of promotion I'm going to give you to honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that Elohim puts in my mouth, that shall I speak. I, that is so profound to me. What just happened? He's been talking to an animal. <laughs> he's, he's disobeyed and said, I'm going to go to Balak. But God says, no, I'm going to use this angel to stop you. And he didn't recognize what God was doing. And, and, and it, it comes to this point. But it says, God, his declaration in the midst of that is whatever Elohim puts in my heart, that's all I can speak. Hmm. That word needs to really be released into the hearts of leaders all over this world. I'm not going to speak, but only those things that the heart of God puts within my mouth to declare. And he said, I have prepared seven altars and I've offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And then Yahweh comes in. And puts a word in Balaam's mouth. It's interesting here that he uses both the, 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 the two names here. So you've got the heart of God coming in and putting something in his mouth. But yet, so that, that's that close connective whenever you see the Lord, Yahweh, your Elohim. And pastors written about that in, in, in the book on the names. They're closely related. The heart of God is going to be in connection with uh, Yahweh, which speaks a lot of times about the plan of God. And that's really, really incredible. That's another word that needs to go, okay, whatever, whatever, God, whatever God puts in, in, from His heart into my mouth and, and whatever is connected with the plan, that's all, I can, that's all I'm going to speak. That's a full-time job for every single one of us. And that is connected to our prayer life. As we pray in the Spirit, we're, we're, we're speaking mysteries, exchanges back and forth directly to God. And God gives us interpretation of those things. That keeps you busy, very busy. 
And he said, Return unto Balak, verse 5, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come curse me, Jacob, <laughs> and come defy Israel. He wanted, Balak was, was, was wanting Balaam to come and release cursings and words of defiance over an entire nation, Israel. And he says, How shall I curse whom Elohim, excuse me, that's not Elohim, it's El, that's first part of Elohim, El, whom God has not cursed? And, or how shall I defy whom Yahweh has not defied? I think that's, 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 that is so profound. The blessing of Elohim and Yahweh are upon His people. And there's nothing, nothing the enemy can do to stop that. Notice what I said. The enemy can't do anything with that. But we can. Boy, we, we, we like Job will curse the day we were born because of what we're facing. Because it's so horrid. It's so bad, right? And it was for Job. Man, it was. I'm on the other side of some things I was facing many, many months ago. You guys, you, you've all been through similar things. Six months ago, whew. Man, it was very dark, dark places. Um, now I'm on the other side, and it's, it's, it's totally different. But the, I'm glad there's always the other side. There's always you're going to go through something, through the valley, through the wilderness. And in the midst of whatever we're facing, we are still blessed. We're not cursed. In verse 9, for from the top of the rocks I see him. <laughs> from the hills I behold him. Now this is the, think about what just happened now. He's riding this animal. I mean, think of that whole, con I think, Lord, how in the world could you use this guy? I mean, he's talking to, a, he's talking to an animal here. The animal's talking to him too. So, I mean, it's really, really a, a very, very, that just shows you God can do anything, right? He can, if he, if he needs, hopefully he doesn't have to use an animal to speak to me or you, but whatever he needs to do to get our, uh, get our attention, he will do it. That's, that's the principle. <laughs> Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And Balak, oh boy, Balak says to Balaam, what have you done? That kind of sounds like the enemy in the garden, right? What are you doing here, people? How do you know you're, why did you hide yourself? Very similar tone and feel. I, I took thee to curse mine enemies. <laughs> and behold, you bless them all together. 
Well, it seems like Jesus said that, right? In the New Testament, we're to bless our enemies, right? Wait a minute, I didn't hear the Lord right. He didn't say that. We can convince ourselves not to do something when God says, yeah, that's my pathway. The humanness in us likes to be rude, Monica, or excuse me, or, or tends to, I'm just using her example. No, I'm just picking. We're all rude at times. Um, <laughs> he did. I, I'm just picking. It's no big... Huh? Monica's not rude. Yes, I did, I, did, I did say that. I'm not picking on Monica. Everybody else is emphasizing that. <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. Thanks a lot, people. Thanks a lot, as Stacy would say. Thanks a lot, people. We need to... <laughs> so, where did... Okay, so in verse 12. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which Yahweh has put in my mouth? I have ten minutes left. Um, five, of them, five of it on me. <laughs> no, it's not a waste. There's no waste. Let me scan through here because maybe I should just quit now. I think I will. I'm done, you folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna exit the left here and get in the car and go to the house. Um, <laughs> Let's, I'm going to, yeah, you can, you can go and study Numbers 12. This is, this was the mouth-to-mouth -mouth, um, discussion with, with Moses, um, putting words in the mouth, living by words from the mouth of God. That's another important principle that um, is kind of related to all this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of Yahweh. Doth man live? So there's that connective with life. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 4. Now, an interesting thing with the presence of God in the New Testament is with Gabriel. Gabriel in the presence of God in Luke 1, verse 11. And there appeared unto Zacharias an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. The Greek word terasso, it means to stir it can feel like being agitated. And fear fell upon him. I had never studied this word for, for fell upon here. It's, uh, it's two Greek words, epi and pipto, and it means to embrace or seize him. This was a fear that was just, I mean, it absolutely just surrounded him to the point that it really was paralyzing to him. Because of the presence of Gabriel. But the angel said, Fear not, Zacharias, for your, your prayer, your, your deasis is heard. Elizabeth's going to bear, uh, bear a son. You're going to call his name John. Wow, Gabriel knows a lot of stuff, doesn't he? The messenger. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and will be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. 
and many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the Numa and Dunamis of Elijah. It's really interesting too. I remember studying this when I was teaching on the, 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 the Numa and the spirit of Elijah. This is coming from the mouth of Gabriel from God to that's really interesting. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, etc., etc. And then in verse 19, the angel answers, said unto him, I am Gabriel, and I stand, I histeme, in the presence of Theos. And I'm sent to speak to you and show you these glad tidings. And behold, you will be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. And here's why, because you didn't believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And we've all known the teaching of that. So I just wanted to read that and show you that <clears throat> the highest, one of the highest ranking angels that stands at the presence or in the face of Theos is delivering this type of message to a person in the earth. There's, there's a lot more that could be said, but that kind of does it. Now, I want to finish the last five minutes with this connective with the, with the earth shook in Psalm 68 with the earthquakes that are going to be released in the earth. And the study of earthquakes is, you know, I know pastors been studying about leaves and, you know, Shea gave a great uh, teaching uh, on, man, that was, that was phenomenal from, from a botanical perspective and um, so I started studying about earthquakes and I started to get really lost in it because there's so much. There's positive and negative impacts of earthquakes. I've always thought negative. It's all bad, right? Mm -mm. So sometime down the road, do some study on earthquakes and look at the positive impacts of what it can do to the terrain and in the earth. And so we're going to look at it from the perspective of, yes, it can be physical in nature, but it, the, the spiritual earthquake that's coming is going to have this impact. And, it, and God's going to be using uh, the prophetic that's connected with the mouth-to-mouth -mouth commune relationship that's going to do the impacting. That's the key. There are a lot of people out there that are prophetic. Don't get me wrong, but, but they, lack the, they lack a deeper relationship that I'm talking about here. Um, so let's look at this. Acts 16. This encompasses the Proshukamai prayer of Paul and Silas in, a, in solitary confinement. <laughs> now, that phrase came to me, and it probably came to me only because I worked in corrections for two and a half years. But, and boy, I got to see solitary confinement close up and in your face. And so this is where they're at. They're in the inner prison. And it says at midnight, I can't even believe these guys are awake, number one. <laughs> I, I, you know, at midnight, most of us are all, you know, snoring. There's all kind of sounds going on in the room. It's just like, ah. And, and these guys are wide awake, and they're, they're in this proshukamai prayer. And that. Read some of pastor's stuff. He's written a lot on that. And then not only that, but they're singing praises to Thales. You know, the other prisoners are around. You know, there's other people around. I wonder what was going through their minds. Hey, guys, can you shut up over here? I'm trying to get some Z's or, you know, you just don't have that. But um, 
And all of a sudden, it says, the prisoners heard them. Okay, there's an immediate impact there. What are those prisoners hearing? They're the prosciutto, the, the, the my prayer that's coming out of the spirits of these two guys. What, are, what is that like? Maybe you don't think this is your, but it, there's all kinds of sound, all kind of, um, um, and then as they are, they're singing. So it's interspersed with this prayer and this release of song expression. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? At any given moment, you can be in a, in a prayer like this and then uh, uh, sound, songs start coming out of you as well. It's, so there's that, that, that connective there that I've never seen with the prayer and, and, the, and the, the song at the same time. And in the midst of that, and suddenly, I mean, this was unprepared, totally unexpected. Instantaneously, there was a great megas earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And I put in parentheses, this is a prophetic statement here that I'm getting ready to say. I, as I was studying this, I knew and I felt the gravity of it. There, the, these are going to be unexpected earthquakes that are coming. It's going to do a lot of things. In this context, it opened prison doors. It brought people that were called to the Lord out of solitary confinement places. But it not only did it impact them, but it impacted everyone around them. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And these are the immediate impacts in the earth that happened in their day and that are coming in our day. Now, I'm not saying we have to be locked in an inner prison or in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement, you could be, hopefully this is not the case, but you could be in solitary confinement in your own house. And you got nothing to do with a prison bar. <laughs> so, looking at it from that angle, what is solitary confinement? It can mean a lot of things and take on many different forms. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. So he was actually able to get some sleep. The, the probation officer that was there, that's my terminology, he was, he was getting some shut-eye. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword because if he had let these prisoners escape, he was going to die. So he's like, you know, forget it. I'm going to go ahead and kill myself immediately. And it said he would have, supposing that they had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself. We're all here. And then he called for a light and he sprang in and he came trembling. He's still feeling the effects of the earthquake with these tremors. And not only that, there, there's a lot to the earthquakes. Have you ever been in an instance where you just shook? earthquake of his spirit is upon you. <laughs> We've all been there. There's a, it happens, and now if you, if you go and you look at the context here, it's because God released an angelic representative that the earthquake came and it began to manifest and everything's shaking. Doors are opening. Things are happening. Remarkable. 
as, as this happens in the spirit and upon people and upon places. That's the other principle here. People look at this and they go, well, man, I'm not in prison. Who? That, you're missing the principle. The prison is a place. It's where you're confined. It represents a lot of things. Are people in the church, let's focus on the church. Are people in the church, are, are, are some of them in solitary confinement? Are they just kind of existing, not doing anything, just kind of locked up and not fulfilling their purpose or even knowing their purpose? Absolutely. When these things happen, people are going to be impacted. Verse 30, and they brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And not only you, but your entire house will be impacted. And they spake unto them the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes and was baptized. I mean, the immediate change Inward change that took place started to manifest in this person. They're, they're, the stripes, he's taking them, washing them. They were baptized. And when they brought them into the house, he set meat before them. And they rejoiced, believing in God with all of their house. And so when the earthquake begins to happen, we know that the fourfold progression starts it all, right? Voices, thunders lightnings, and then earthquakes. It's in, all, it's in Revelation on page 4. Go back through and read it. Read the context. Um, when these earthquakes happen, like, and this is the last thing I'll say, this, the centurion in Matthew 27. Was so impacted when he saw this earthquake at the crucifixion, when Jesus gave up the ghost, it said the earth did quake and the rocks were rent in two. Graves are open. Saints are getting up out of graves, walking around, and they're appearing to many in the city. The centurion, after he's watching Jesus, when he saw the earthquake and those things that were done, he feared greatly. And then he declared something that is so profound. Truly, this man was the son of Theos. When these earthquakes happen, people will recognize their identity as sons. These are the days that we're living in. And I believe that this new journey is going to be a launching point for this to happen as we continue to move forward. We believe the Lord for earthquakes. And I believe we're going to start to see them in a more profound manner moving forward. So, I'm done. Any questions or comments or...